Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. There was a press conference earlier today. It was delivered in Spanish. It originated from uh, the Utah State Capitol, and it spoke about a piece of data that I have been tracking for some time, and it has uh, broken my heart to see that the disparity in the impact sustained by the Hispanic community has only risen uh, to dramatic levels. And those levels are disproportionately high when compared to uh, other demographic categories, other ethnicities. Let me share some numbers with you here. Follow along. This is uh, a lot of numbers here. In Utah, Hispanics and Latinos make up for 14.2% of the population. All right, 14.2% of Utah is comprised of uh, Hispanics. Now, whites make up 78%. You got that? Hispanic, 14%. White, 78%. That's of total population. Now, let's look at the percentage makeup of total positive COVID cases. Whites represent 37.7% of the total positive COVID cases. And get this. Here's the number. Here's the number that has startled me from the beginning and has broken my heart. The Hispanic community makes up 40%, almost 41% of the total cases. So while representing only 14% of the total population, that that group is responsible for 40%, or comprises rather, 40% of the total cases of the coronavirus here in the state of Utah. And it is not just here in Utah. It is nationwide. This is a trend that has played out uh, elsewhere around the country. And so the natural question is why? And there are some obvious answers. There are uh, so many from the Hispanic community that uh, engage in what we now call essential work, where the option of working from home really isn't available. And so they have to leave their homes and go out to work. And what we've learned lately is that it is, in fact, the workplace where outbreaks are occurring and spread is happening so rapidly. The press conference today, which was hosted by, let me pull this up and give you all the exact details, Uh, this press conference made up of local leaders and experts who addressed the immediate needs of the Latino community, and they discussed how to stop the disproportionate rise of COVID-19. 
included in this press conference was a representative from the Office of Multicultural Affairs for the state of Utah. Uh, she said that minorities in Utah disproportionately represent infections, not only infections, but also deaths from COVID-19 here in Utah. As of yesterday, July 14, the Latinos constitute 40.5% of COVID-19 cases in the state of Utah. And also, in contrast, they represent 14.2% of the population of the state. So as far as those numbers, we can see that our community has been impacted heavily. And also, I would like to clarify that our Latino community has the highest infection rate and the community who has the highest death uh, rate are the Polynesians. So uh, we can see that these numbers are affect, affecting those underrepresented communities and minorities. You heard there a male voice, and I, I said that the speaker from the Office of Multicultural Affairs was a, a woman. That is accurate. What happened is that this press conference today was delivered in Spanish. And there were translators on hand. So we will, as we walk through uh, this, the various clips from this press conference today, we'll be hearing uh, the, the English spoken from translators uh, after the message was delivered by the, the various participants uh, in this press conference. In fact, uh, we'll continue listening in on what was discussed, on what uh, could be done to stop this disproportionality, uh, and also what explains it. The, the conversation continued with Dr. Danielle Mendoza. He's an assistant research professor at the University of Utah and just recently completed a study of low-income and minority populations and found that they were much less likely to stay home during the pandemic than those who were in more affluent areas. We analyzed data in the Soleil County and we find out the lowest income and highest minority population zip codes had nearly 10 times higher rate of positive COVID-19 cases than the wealthiest and the lowest minority populations zip codes. We believe that an important factor leading to this is that the lower income populations are generally employed in essential job and therefore are unable to stay at home. This was validated by our residential traffic count analysis, which found that while lower in income zip code traffic volumes would drop by around 10 to 15 percent following the stay safe and stay home directives, between March 16 and May 1st, higher income zip code traffic dropped by up to 50 percent. What this means is that staying at home, whether that meant teleworking or simply not working, was more available to higher income populations. And then finally, uh, that same Dr. Mendoza, again, assistant research professor at the University of Utah, said uh, both work and home environments make it difficult for minorities and low-income individuals to socially distance. There are many factors that cause higher rates of COVID-19 in, in lower income and minority populations, which is the largest being that need to still work through the pandemic. These jobs generally involve higher risk because while an office job may only require close physical interaction between 10, 15 people in a day, a cash register operator at a supermarket, for example, may need to interact with 10 to 15 customers in one hour. Furthermore, many lower-income families live in smaller homes and may not be able to keep an infected family member isolated in a dedicated room. 
And so that's the data. That is the reality that we're facing here in Utah. And the governor, as you heard in a recent press conference, that the governor has announced the formation of a, a task force to address exactly these disparities. And what we are hearing now are the findings of their initial observations. And what will come next, of course, are some proposals on what can be done uh, to, to, to change this disparity, to alter it. Uh, in a way that is uh, just more reflective of the population makeup. It, is, uh, it shouldn't be the case that uh, such a relatively small portion of the population should be facing such a high percentage and proportion of the positive cases and also deaths. And while not uh, the highest death rate, uh, certainly uh, higher than its percentage makeup would would indicate. It's an interesting thing, and there are some uh, delicate realities that come from this uh, in terms of income disparities and lifestyle differences, uh, and also the willingness to engage the system. If you remember uh, a while back, we had a conversation uh, about um, vaccination rates and how here in Utah, vaccination rates among Hispanic and Latino communities uh, were dramatically lower uh, than their counterparts of other uh, ethnic makeups. And so why is that? There may be an element of distrust, or maybe there are educational efforts that are required. Who knows? Maybe it's transportation. Uh, but I am heartened to know that there is a group facing all of this data. They are compiling it, they are analyzing it, and taking steps towards remedying it, because it breaks my heart. It shouldn't be broken up that way. There shouldn't be such a disparity. All right, uh, final segment of today's program is on the way. Uh, next up, we're going to look back at some of the topics earlier in the day. Also going to go through your comments. We earlier today discussed uh, a plan, or at least a proposal, uh, by the L.A. Times to cancel the national anthem. Well, not on my watch. And many of you have been kind enough to weigh in, leaving your comments at the KSL News Radio comments line. I will share those comments next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.